Welcome to r slash, a podcast where I read the best posts from across Reddit. Today's subreddit is r slash ask Reddit. Our first ask Reddit question is, what things did you do as a kid that you now realize is extremely weird? Our first reply is from Irrationally Calm. When I was around eight years old, I liked, <laughs> I liked the way clean towels tasted. Something I really enjoyed was putting a towel over a straw. <laughs> <laughs> Something I really enjoyed was putting a towel over a straw and drinking Kool-Aid through it. My mother wasn't a fan of having <laughs> white towels covered with red spots, so she put a stop to it pretty quick. Our next reply is from Dendro Nate. I used to stand naked in my <laughs> in my bedroom window and try to stay as still as possible so the neighbors would think my parents had a statue made of me. I would stand in different poses too, so they'd think that there were multiple statues of me which my parents would rotate around the house. The way I saw it, only important people had statues built of them. I, wa <laughs> I wanted the neighbors to know they lived near a pretty important guy. The funny thing about this is if your plan worked, then that means your <laughs> that means that your neighbors thought that your family kept statues of naked children in their house. Our next reply is from Williams D93. I found a cat skull buried in the garden. I pulled the teeth out and put them under my pillow for what I thought would be easy money. Our next reply is from Nudhug. When I was a kid in the 80s, I had very strict teachers. Any form of backtalking or, God forbid, swearing would get you a quick slap and a fast march to the head teacher's office to explain yourself. My teacher once sat me down for a talk, which happened fairly often, which was basically just her berating me. In the middle of this, she suddenly stopped and told me that I needed to keep my eyes under control because I had this terrible nervous habit of twitching my eyes when she was talking to me. In actual fact, I was tracing out imaginary swear words with my eyes, basically drawing things like piss off and shut up, tracing the letters with my eyes as if they were right in front of my face. I didn't realize she could see my eye movements. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't know why. As an adult, it's obvious that my eyes were darting all over the place and looking crazy. But child me thought that it was subtle enough that it was unnoticeable and that I was being super sneaky. As soon as I realized she could see it, I stopped. But looking back, probably the funniest part to me now is how much it must have unnerved her. And she never did know the reason for it. To her, I must have just been the weird kid with the crazy eyes. OP, when I was a kid, I actually did something kind of similar to this. When I got bored in class, I would look off at some distant object and then I would trace a very specific pattern over it every single time. First I would trace a plus sign over it, then an X over it, then three concentric circles over it. I don't know why I did it, but I must have done it multiple times a day every day as a kid. Our next reply is from William Harry. I used to have science experiments in the bathroom sink, meaning I'd go to the bathroom and lock the door. Once in, I'd make sure the sink drain was shut and then proceed to add every cleaner, chemical, shampoo, etc. under the sink in hopes of a reaction. I never got one, but it also never stopped me from trying. In hindsight, I probably could have killed myself if I had mixed the wrong stuff. I obviously didn't. Our next reply is from Full Even. In grade one, we would sit in a group on the floor in front of the teachers while she read us stories. I would sit at the back of the group against the wall and pull my pants halfway down my bum. I liked feeling the cool ground and wall against my bare butt. <laughs> Opie, lucky for your teacher, no one ever found out about that. Because if the wrong person saw that at the wrong time, then your teacher could have gotten in a lot of trouble. 
Our next reply is from Cattle DM. I would add several drops of Tabasco sauce to my unsweetened iced tea. <laughs> I called it Asian tea despite knowing that Tabasco and Lipton were in no way Asian. I, al- <laughs> I also didn't like it very much, but made myself drink it so that I could understand the Asian community better. Asian friends I have now are still baffled at the connection I tried to make. Our next reply is from XD. When I <laughs> when I was in elementary school, I would use one hand to cover my <laughs> Okay. When I was in elementary school, I would use one hand to cover my butt when I showered because I was afraid that a monster would warp through the bathroom wall and attack my butthole. This actually reminds me of something that I had totally forgotten about from my childhood. When I was a kid, my grandma told me a story about how someone went out to an outhouse and there was a snake in the outhouse and it bit them. But being a kid, I didn't really understand what an outhouse was. I just sort of thought it was another name for a toilet. So while my grandma meant that the snake was just hanging out inside the outhouse, but not inside like the toilet part of the outhouse, my stupid kid brain took that to mean that snakes lived in toilets. (laughs) And so for a while, whenever I went number two as a really little kid, I would try to like hover over the seat so that if I heard or saw a snake try to bite my butt, I could run away before it got me. Our next Reddit post is... (laughs) Our next Reddit post is from Large Tub of Lard. When I was around, <laughs> when I was around five, I would basically act like a train and follow the lines in the playground while also using my hands as those little rail things. <laughs> okay. When I was around five, I would basically act like a train and follow the lines on the playground while also using my hands as those little rail things on the wheels, coupling rods. <laughs> I would also look directly up when it was cold and use my ma- my mouth as a chimney. <laughs> Honestly, it must have looked like I was insane. Our next reply is from Larpy is cool. I w- <laughs> I would walk out of the bathroom after taking a dump and spread my butt cheeks to whoever was <laughs> to whoever was in the living room and ask, "Is my butt clean?" <laughs> One time, <laughs> one time, it was the, <laughs> one time, <laughs> one time, it was the guy cleaning our carpet. Our next reply is from KT Moonrise. I used to eat mechanical pencil lead. No idea how I got into that habit, but I think I enjoyed the crunchiness of it. I did it for a little while, but showed a classmate and she immediately went to the teacher who then called my mom who scolded me and told me to stop. Goodbye 0.7 millimeter. <laughs> Goodbye 0.7 millimeter. You will be missed. Our next reply is from Autistic Armadillo. I used to eat tissues as a kid. My mom found out one day and yelled at me to stop, as any sane parent would do. So I started eating them in secret, sneaking away a tissue box to another room to eat a tissue or two. Until one day when I was about five years old, I had to go to a hospital. I had no idea what was going on. All I knew was that I had trouble breathing through my nose. Before the operation, I was in the hospital, and I overheard one of the nurses say that they just needed to remove the excess tissue in my nose. 
Naturally, I thought that the tissues I had eaten had started getting clogged up my nose and I never ate a tissue again. I made the realization at 14 that it was muscle tissue in my nose and not the actual tissues I was eating. OP, what you should have done was switch over to toilet paper. Then you wouldn't have had to wipe on the way out. Our next reply is from Twist Me Twice. When I was four or so, we lived in a flat in the USA that had a massive concrete structure behind it. I have no idea what it was, but at the bottom of it was at least a foot of dank water, trees, etc. I was convinced it was a swimming pool and begged my mom to let me swim in it. No, absolutely not, she said. It's full of snapping turtles and they'll snap your fingers off. I also wanted to eat all the berries that were on the local bushes. No, absolutely not. They're poisonous. They'll make you very sick and then dead. Clever me. I put the two ideas together and thus spent the summer throwing poison berries into the swamp structure in order to kill all the turtles. Four years old and stuck on murder mode for three months. Our next Ask Reddit question is, a child who is not embraced by the village will burn it down to feel its warmth. What's an example of this that you've seen or experienced firsthand? Our first reply is from Vote the Fox. I used to be into amateur radio after a short stint in the Army Cadets. There was this one guy in the East Midlands, UK, who was one of the adult instructors. He was always telling us about amateur radio and would hand out old and cheaper pieces of tech he tried out and wasn't keeping. Anyway, he was a little weird. Overly friendly with adults, but he never gave off any bad vibes around kids. And obviously had some social anxiety which he was compensating for. Personally, I suspect he was on the autism spectrum, but who knows. After I left the cadets and went to university, I stayed in touch on Facebook. We were in the same Facebook group for amateur radio hobbyists. He always liked to do things by the book, and instilled in us the importance of being responsible and socially conscious with our radio use. He was the same on Facebook, reminding people that Mrs. Miggins on her 10-pound handset wouldn't know about transmission power and squelch, etc. He mentioned in passing to a new member the importance of only using the public unlicensed channels, kind of like CB radio in the US, on the correct, very low power setting of half a watt. He mentioned it because Mrs. Miggins was trying to reach her kid in the next street, but wouldn't understand the idea that she could hear you, but couldn't reach you to ask you to be quiet so she could talk to her son. He was correct here, and it's also a criminal offense to transmit at higher power on these frequencies, even though it's not enforced. Anyway, this got someone's panties in a twist, and he was kicked from the group for preaching. After unsuccessfully asking to be let in, he set up a larger antenna in his back garden, set up a super fancy aerial atop it with a 30-watt transmission system. This is really quite powerful. He now turns this on for several hours a day on whatever channels the radio club is using to teach them the importance of good etiquette. This means that nobody can use certain frequencies for hours at a time, as it just sounds like someone is having a one-way conversation on air. He could probably get arrested, but that doesn't seem to bother him at all. Our next reply is from Carvin Rocks. I once attended a birthday party with a bouncy castle. The birthday kid and their friends kicked the younger sibling and his friends out, so they unplugged it and watched everyone's dismay as it deflated. Way to go, Mason. Badass move for a 12-year-old. Our next reply is from Madam Burner. I worked in an office for a Fortune 500. One of our longtime team members, Gina, worked as a level 2 employee for quite a while. She was good enough to be a level 3 or level 4 employee, but never took the offer because she was a single mom who relied on public transportation, etc. Her friend, Pamela, started at the same time she did and was a level 3, working up to a level 4. 
Pamela and Gina were all good until Pamela discovered that Gina made more than Pamela because she was constantly getting merit raises and performance bonuses. One day, Gina made an honest mistake. Our client just switched to a different protocol for billing and she accidentally did it the old way. It was a no harm, no foul situation, but Pamela went to the level 4 employees and senior management and suggested that Gina be fired. They all went to HR, who said that while there was no valid reason to fire her, they could move her to a suckier team that would basically guarantee her failure. Gina realized what was happening and secured another job. We were going to be off for four days for Christmas, but Gina quit Thursday by leaving an after-hours voicemail. Gina knew the message wouldn't be received until Monday morning, so she sent out an email to the entire building, time to be sent at 11.59 Christmas Eve. The (laughs) email... The email detailed how Pamela was having an affair with her brother-in-law while her husband was deployed. How one senior manager took this job because he was fired for embezzlement and lost his CPA license. And how one of our male level 3 employees was requesting a transfer because our married department manager was sexually harassing him. We got in at 8 and IT got in at 9. It was a catastrophe Monday morning. Quite a few people quit that day. And to think, it all could have been avoided. And then OP posted an update. I've run into Gina and Pamela since then, and Gina is thriving. She got a stern phone call from the company, and they tried to withhold her last paycheck, but that was it. Pamela is, well, a little more humble now. She was going through some serious stuff at the time, and while that doesn't excuse any of the stuff that she did, I think the letter was a wake-up call that she needed to fix her life. Below this post, DJ Cypher sums this up well. This is the equivalent of walking away from an explosion you let yourself. Our next reply is from Big Papa Java. I work with kids who have mental health issues. Many of them have attempted suicide, running away, self-harm, or have an addiction of some kind by their mid-teens. They always have some kind of traumatic family life that's pushed them to that problem. One thing we see again and again is the poor kid who comes in after the parent or guardian has belittled them and told them what a piece of garbage they are for years. Eventually, the kid starts acting out, which the adult uses as proof that he was right all along and the kid was being an awful piece of garbage. One kid I worked with was in and out of treatment programs for a couple of years and had exactly this kind of parents. The father was always on the road driving a truck and checked out when he was at home. The mom was personality disordered and extremely emotionally and verbally abusive. One day, while his father was out on the road, the boy murdered his mother by bludgeoning her to death with a hammer while she slept. Then, he kept her body in the house for a few days, abusing the corpse before stuffing her remains into the trash can and leaving them on the curbside for pickup. (laughs) Oh my god, this story went from zero to a hundred real fast. Our next reply is from it can always get worse. This could be applied to my soon-to-be ex-husband. He has mommy issues. He has daddy issues. He has sibling issues. Basically, his parents divorced him when he was in grade school and no one really ever parented him from that point forward. His dad left. His mom, in my opinion, has no sense of accountability and can never be wrong about anything, so not exactly a great role model. She restarted her career after the divorce and left him in the dust. My husband never really healed from the aftermath of his parents' divorce. I can understand. My own parents' divorce negatively affects me to this day in some ways. Though, my parents are the polar opposite of his. They're extremely involved in giving. 
I think the more my parents involved themselves in our lives, the more he realized what a parent was supposed to look like. When our baby was born and my parents worked to be helpful and bond with my husband, I think it showed a giant magnifying glass on the abandonment issues he had buried and run from his whole life. He cracked this year and ran away with someone. He threw me and my loving family away, but briefly got the attention he was yearning for from both of his sucky absentee parents in his time of crisis. That didn't last too long. He burnt our marriage and the life we had built over 10 years to the ground. He felt so bad and wanted me to feel as badly as he did. Though any warmth he enjoyed from doing so quickly dissipated, he regrets everything. Our next replies from sheriffs are cool. My uncle. He was always the black sheep of the family, but it turned out he had been carefully planning his future from the start. He got a full ride to his dream college, got a really well-paying job, got married, and now has a child who's a few months old. My grandparents, his parents, always thought he was a disappointment as he was their only son. He knew this, and they verbally abused him for a while about how he never lived up to their expectations. Turns out, his parents and all four of his sisters ran themselves into quite a bit of debt, and he only found out when he was nearly done with college. They came to my uncle for help after he found employment, and he basically gave my whole family the finger and said for them to help themselves. I'm literally the only one of any of my cousins or siblings who bothered contacting him years after this whole ordeal. So I contact him via Facebook Messenger, and his wife is a lovely woman. His daughter is so cute and gorgeous, and he's still the same strong, kind-hearted man that I remember. My parents know that I'm in contact with them, and they just don't care. I'll be staying over at their house for a little next week, and I'm so glad I was able to meet my little cousin. Our next reply is from Dying Catastrophe. I guess I would maybe count for this. I cut my relatives out of my life when I was 19. They had spent my whole life tormenting me and treating me like dirt. With me gone, there's my aunt, my uncle, my grandmother, and my dad. My dad being the youngest at 58 years old now, with no younger generation to take care of them. My aunt would be prepared for that, but my dad and my grandmother were banking all their hopes on me caring for them in their old age. So much so, they would make fun of me for how incapable I was of domestic tasks. For example, I didn't learn how to use a washing machine until I googled it at 19, but when I asked them to show me, they always made excuses. Your school should be teaching you that. You should know how to do that. Figure it out. I'll show you some other time. They never would show me though. They liked having evidence of what a horrible, incompetent, and lazy person they saw me as. They also didn't want me to be able to live independently because that would make it easier for me to move out, which would mean I wouldn't be at their immediate use. I also lied and said that I was required to live on campus for the first year when I went to university. I wasn't planning to cut contact yet, but I was desperate for a taste of independence. My aunt gave me my birthday money early so that I could afford the deposit. I felt awful because my aunt was actually the only one who ever stood up for me. But keeping in contact with her would have been too complicated, and I'm certain she would have put some pressure on me to mend things with the others. Not even a month after I moved into my student accommodation, I got into an argument with my dad and finally stood up for myself. I cut contact, and with that, I was expecting to become homeless once I finished my first year and my lease finished. I was too mentally ill to complete my studies and hold down a job at the same time. As luck would have it, everything turned out fine. 
a lot of bumps in the road, but I graduated, didn't end up homeless, and I'm now working in the healthcare system. I don't exactly regret cutting contact, but I'll admit, I should have done some research on my options for homelessness instead of hoping for the best. I nearly destroyed my life. That was r slash ask reddit, and if you like this podcast, then be sure to follow me because I put out new reddit podcasts every single day.